This is the Miller Report with Suzanne Miller on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And now, here's Suzanne Miller. Welcome to the Miller Report. I'm Suzanne Miller, CEO of Empire State Properties and founder of the Miller Report. Today, we have with us an incredible guest. I'm pretty sure every single person is going to want to tune in to this one. Like me, he was born in Brooklyn. His mom, Dorothy, was his biggest inspiration. Although rumor has it that she loved Bernie just a little bit more than him. In 1984, he started his career at the NYPD. In 2006, he was elected to the New York State Senate, where he served four terms. In 2013, he was Brooklyn Borough President, where he stayed for eight years. Anyone guess who this is yet? In 2021, he was elected our mayor of New York City. Welcome, Eric Adams, to the Miller Report. Thank you so much, Suzanne, and I'm glad to be here, and I look forward to some exciting conversation. You know, it's funny, Mr. Mayor. First of all, thank you. We've, I know you've, you're a busy guy, and we've gone back and forth a few times, and I have about you coming here. So I have some cupcake questions, which just be like nice, and then I got some tough ones. Are you ready for the tough ones? Well, listen, they're all cupcake questions. When you are in honesty, just answer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, first of all, Mayor, you have the most difficult job right now. I think that you have such a lo- big job on your hands. Governing New York has to be one of the most difficult jobs in the world right now, other than our President Biden and maybe Netanyahu. You have every ethnic, political and diversity issue to deal with. How do you possibly satisfy all of these people, and how do you do it? (laughs) And you're right. I always uh, jokingly say we have 8.3 million people, 35 million opinions. (laughs) You know that? How true. And New Yorkers love to tell you how they feel and what's on their mind. They're extremely opinionated. But the joy is, as you stated, uh, we were born in Brooklyn. And when you bring that Brooklyn attitude and that grind with you, you don't take things personal and you know, you know how to shoot it right back, you know? So, oh, we do. Right. So, you know, oftentimes uh, people see my non-traditional method is because I'm authentically New York. I, I, I was raised here. I know what you do with people who take your seat on the train before you're about to sit down or people who uh, want to overcharge you or think they're going to disrespect you. That's who we are. When you can tell a New Yorker by his or her authentic approach to life. Best city in the world. It is. Listen, you know, you you think about it. uh, I say over and over again uh, that this is the only country where dream is attached to his name. And uh, New York is the American dream. Mr. Mayor, nobody knows more about the New York Police Department than you do. I don't think anybody. (laughs) Is this something that we could all agree on, is getting a better police officer, a better, more police officers? And is this something that we could all agree on, or is this just another political nightmare? No, we need we need um, uh, more police officers. We are dangerously close to uh, one of the lowest numbers that we've had in many years. Uh, but, you know, it's a real challenge with the economic challenges that we're facing uh, through the migrant and asylum seekers, uh, which is the largest economic challenge that we're facing. Our agencies have done an amazing job of going in, finding efficiencies, uh, 3%, 3%, uh, but now to have them go back and find 5%, uh, if, you know, looking at $5 billion in the what's called the November plan, we have to readjust our budget. It's just horrendous, and it's painful. It's going to hurt our services a lot. 
I want to get into the migrants in a minute, but let's just finish on the police officers for a moment. Can you give us any suggestion how to recruit them? Is it housing? What would you suggest as a former police officer? Combination. Uh, number one is something I had to do that they were waiting many years to get done. Uh, Patty Lynch, who was the PBA president at the time, we had many conversations, and it was clear that we were not keeping up with the salaries of police officers. We gave them a contract that they deserved, uh, almost a 97% ratification rate from their memberships. They were waiting for so many years to do it. We did it. We became competitive. So you're going to see the results of that uh, by more people joining our department and not being siphoned off to other municipalities. But at the same time, we do look at housing. Uh, many of my top uh, real estate owners, uh, let me tell you, you bring a police officer in your building, you give him a either discount rent or an incentive like we used to do with the officer officer and teachers next door program, you have, you have a better uh, uh, building. Your property value goes up. Your neighborhood uh, increases. When I moved into Bedford-Stuyvesant, we were having a real crime problem on our block. I moved in, organized my neighbors. Everyone on that block, their property value went up. And so there are ways we can really incentivize police officers coming into the, the, the department. I hope all my developers are listening to this because I'm a <laughs> proponent of that. I've been saying that to all the developers. Smart idea. Let's go back to real estate because the Miller Report is a real estate podcast mostly, but real estate and politics seem to be hand in hand in this town. So 421A, which is basically an incentive for developers to build on the private sector, it's been gone. I haven't even seen it on the budget. Is there any initiative for the city to bring that back? Well, it's a state initiative, and the state has to pass uh, the law to put it back in place. We should not have sunsetted, number one. But number two, uh, there were... Uh, jobs that were in the pipeline that had to go on pause because of COVID. Everyone acknowledged that nothing could be built during that time, so they went on pause. We should have at least allowed those jobs to uh, continue to be developed. And when people look at 421A, that's the terminology that's used. Mm -hmm. And as you stated, it's, a, it's is an incentive. Right. People think it's a giveaway. It's not a giveaway. It is a way of saying to developers, okay, you can develop. We're going to give you tax incentive to help us with the housing crisis that we're facing. When people talk about housing, we don't have enough inventory. We need to build more, and we need to make it easy to do so. So, Mayor, is there anything on the pipeline to, ins to have a new 421A or something similar? Yes, and there's, there are some great conversations that are taking place right now with state lawmakers. I like to say those comments since lawmakers, they are communicating right now to state how do we look at some of the major issues that's going to assist us in, in developing of, of some version of an incentive. I don't right. know what term they're going to use, right. but some version. But also, how do we convert the office spaces into residential. We have almost 138 million square feet of office spaces that we should be able to incentivize to convert into residential. We should be raising the FAR, you know, so that we can build higher. That's a terminology that allows you to build higher. And we should be able to build higher in those areas that we could have housing. Too many areas in the city, we could have built more housing, but people had that NIMBY mindset. Uh, I don't need it on my block. I don't need it in my community. And we have to really move away from that. Well, I'm glad you brought up the commercial vacancy crisis. 
So are you changing any zoning so that we can convert some of these office buildings to residential? That's our goal. We need help from Albany to do the lion's share and make it easier. Uh, but Dan Garotnik, uh, who's in charge of the Department of Planning, we're rolling down a real excited, uh, exciting text amendment citywide to increase height, density, and look at places that historically we were not building on top of. You have commercial strips where you only have two units of housing on top, well, you can build higher and you can get more people into places that they can live. So we're really changing the game on how do we build differently. We have an outdated, antiquated system of building going back from the 60s. We need to modernize how we build to allow more people to live in this great city. So you are changing the zoning. You're looking at that. Yes, yes. Citywide zoning changes. Yes, good stuff. Some real good stuff. I'd like to hear that. So will you tell us about the next question is, how about a casino? Can you share with us? Is there one being built? I want it to be in New York City. Okay. Uh, there are several locations throughout the city. A, a lot of proposals. Some are in Queens. I think we, there's about two or three in Manhattan. Uh, there are some out in the Bronx. There's one in the Bronx. And so right now, uh, they're putting in the proposals. And I just say, let it be in Queens. The one out, let it be in, I should say, let it be in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one out in Queens is doing very well. Uh, they're doing a lot of community benefits agreements, a lot of great things, jobs, uh, thousands of employees. It's a real boost for the economy out there in Queens. And so I just wanted it in New York City. So come on, tell us. There's got to be a sneak preview. Come uh, on, tell well, us. Well, the determination is not. It's state lawmakers. Uh, I have only one person that's on the final committee, the deciding committee. But the states are very much involved. The local uh, electors are involved. Uh, so we don't have complete understanding of where it's going to be yet. I don't even know. So I can't even open the envelope because I don't know what it is. Okay. Well, I hope that you'll tell us when you do. (laughs) If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. So let's move on to a tough one. I said this wasn't going to be cupcake. <laughs> tough one is migrants. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, we got an issue here. Without a doubt. In the past, you were proponent to put these migrants, 140,000 came to New York City in hotels. Mm-hmm. Do you still think this is a good idea? Yeah, well, we have to put them where we, we can get the space. Uh, you know, who would have thought that over a year later, we're still having a conversation about, you know, how do we stop this heavy flow of migrants and asylum seekers into our city. And we should not allow anyone to tell us because we're asking the federal government to do its job that we're anti-immigration, because that's not true. Uh, This city has always embraced immigration. Uh, We're one of the most diverse cities on the globe. All of us have roots that go to some level of immigration. The number one question is, should local municipalities should they be responsible for a national problem? And I say no to that. And when we stated last year that we need to have a decompression strategy at the board, 
border, 108,000 cities, states, and municipalities, villages throughout this entire country. Everyone should be dealing with this issue, not just New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and Houston. And now Massachusetts is also joining our coalition. And then we need to fund this. This should not come out of taxpayers' pockets. How much is it costing the taxpayers? $5 billion this fiscal year. And then in January, we have to come up with another $7 billion. So we took about $12 billion. And people often look at our budget and say, well, you you have a $106 billion budget. That's not true. $76 billion of that is accounted for. You know, it's to keep the lights on about trash, et cetera. You only have $30 billion that you can sort of move around. And out of that $30 billion, $12 billion is coming out of it. It's going to hurt. It's what kind of services are you going to cut? You're, you're talking about everything from trash pickup, uh, cleaning our highways, uh, school safety agents in school, uh, how many new police classes we can put, we can put in, uh, after-school programs. You think of the service, and that service is going to be impacted in way, one way or another. And it's, it's really going to have a major impact on our city. And it keeps me up at night because this is a real issue that we fought for. The city has been trending in the right direction. Double-digit decrease in crime, 4.7 million jobs, the highest number of jobs in our city history, double-A bond rating, subway uh, crime has gone down. Homicides have gone down. Shootings have gone down. Uh, major companies are coming to the city. We were humming, and we want to continue to hum and move in the right direction. I saw in the New York Post on Saturday that one of the reasons for this federal investigation on your fundraising was because you stood up for border control. Do you think there's any merit to that? Well, listen, I cannot speculate on uh, why, you know, as what was reported, you know what I know. Uh, there was uh, a report that I helped uh, uh, the Turkish consulate uh, move forward to open uh, their consulate. Uh, this is what I do every day. It's your job. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know, if you only know how many people reach out to me uh, through texts, through calls, you know, just about everybody in the city has my, my cell phone number. And my job as a bar president, state senator, and mayor is to feel calls from constituents and contact city agencies and help them navigate those city agencies. I can't compel them because I didn't have any power to compel as the borough president. But I reach out and say, can you inquire? Can anything be done to assist a particular constituent? This is what every elected official uh, does. And so uh, I don't know, you know more than I do. I'm going to participate as much as possible. Whatever information that is needed, I will turn over. But I, gotta, I have to continue running the city. And I'm focused on continuing running the city from driving down crime, dealing with this migrant asylum seeker issue, and balancing our budget and attract new industries uh, to our city. Speaking of the migrants, I mean, we're all migrants. My family is a migrant. We're all all American. We're all migrant. They come here. They are here for six months, and they're not able to work. I think these migrants want to work. They want to contribute. What do you think about the six months ban that they can't even work? Can we change that? And that's a great question, but it's not even just six months. Many times they're caught in the bottleneck of the system. That six months can turn into a year, a year and a half, two years. Nothing is more anti-American than not being able to work. All of our family members, some of the jobs were, you know, menial jobs or whatever you want to call it, but at least it was a step into 
middle class life in America. That is who we are. Your right to be able to provide for your family. When I stayed last year, uh, early this year, January, I think it was January 8th, the coldest day of the year, I slept in one of the uh, shelters. We call them humanitarian relief centers. And I slept there with the migrant, and I wanted to just talk to them on the ground. They're no different than our parents. And all they said, they said, we don't want anything free from you. We want to work. Can you change that? <laughs> no, we can't. And that's, those are four important misnomers about this crisis. Number one, I don't have the power to give them authorization to work. It must come from the federal government. I don't have that authority. If I did, I would do it right away. Number two, I don't have the power of deportation. People say, well, why don't you just uh, tell people to leave? I don't have that authority. That's a federal authority to deport, even when we have repeated people who commit crimes. I don't have the authority to tell them to leave. Number three, that people are saying, well, they're getting more than what, what long-time New Yorkers are getting. That's untrue. You go to these humanitarian relief centers, over 200 we open, you see people are sleeping on cots. They're having basic meals or services with minimum, and people need to understand that. And then lastly, people say, well, stop people from coming in. I don't have the authority. That's against the law for me to say you can't come into the city. So I don't have the authority to manage this crisis, and I'm not getting the resources to manage the crisis. And many New Yorkers felt as though, listen, we're just doing this uh, because we're not hearing the needs of everyday uh, struggling New Yorkers. And that is just not true. This is wrong for the migrants and is wrong for longstanding New Yorkers. Mr. Mayor, are you consulting with any past mayors like uh, Mayor Bloomberg on this? Or tomorrow I have George Pataki on the Miller Report. Do you want to ask him anything? Uh, well, uh, number one, uh, Michael, uh, former mayor Michael Bloomberg has been amazing. He has been a real mentor. Uh, whenever I reached out to him, he has been there. He has helped us in so many levels, and I cannot thank him en enough. He loves New York City. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I, I've communicated with him often. But, you know, you even present this case to even someone like a knowledgeable uh, lawmaker like Governor Pataki, and he'll tell you the same thing. This is just not something that this city can manage on its own. And it's just wrong for everyday New Yorkers to have to go through this. Okay, let's move on to another difficult subject, which is Israel. Mm -hmm. First of all, as a child of the Holocaust, I want to thank you for standing out for Israel. Mm. Today marks almost 85 years ago of the day of the broken glass, which was when Germany started and they were... The they, Nazis were breaking down all of these Jewish homes, synagogues, mm -hmm. and businesses. So thank mm -hmm. you. Have you been given any backlash on that? Well, you know, remember what I said, this is New York. So no matter what position you take, you're going to have folks who are going to be uh, pro and against. Uh, you must do what your heart tells you to do. Uh, the horrific, uh, disgusting actions of Hamas— uh, taking the lives of innocent people, you know, the videos of placing a baby in a stove, uh, attacking and murdering, you know, almost over 1,400 people. You know, we need to be clear, Hamas must be destroyed. It's a terrorist organization. Uh, there is no dealing with uh, Hamas. Uh, we need to seek them out and destroy them because that type of barbaric action is unacceptable. And we can, one cannot justify that behavior. And so I think it was wrong for anyone 
to have any form of celebratory action of a day or, or one or two days after something horrific like that uh, takes place. Even if you have a, a conversation on what is the destiny of Palestine and Israel, then you have that conversation. But it can't be uh, based on what we saw Hamas carried out. That was wrong, and I wanted to be clear on that. I was not trying to pull any punches. I didn't want to be politically correct. I wanted to be honest and forthright about that. Well, thank you for your honesty. How do we make sure that these escalation of crime does not get even worse for both sides yes, in this no, city? Well, well said, well said. And none of us uh, want innocent people to lose their lives of no matter where they are. All of us understand that families are families, children are children, babies are babies, and we need to be in support of that. Right here in New York, I tell people all the time, when something happens internationally, it plays out on the streets of the city of New York, like Ukraine and Russia war played out right here in Brighton Beach. You know, we saw, you know, people uh, dealing with those stresses that comes with it. But what we must do here is to not allow this city to turn into a place of hate. There is no place for hate in our city. We saw what has happened to the Sikh community. We saw what has happened uh, to the Jewish community, uh, to the Muslim community, Islamophobia. We're watching our city uh, go into this form of people believing they can spew their hateful terms, hateful terminologies in our city. And we need to be clear, this is not the majority of New Yorkers. Because someone does a march of 5,000 people, we have 8.3 million people in this city. And if we allow the noise of those 5,000 to give the impression uh, that this is the spirit of New York, we're wrong. Every day, various ethnic groups work side by side with each other. They teach together. They have their faith together. They work together. So not only do we have a uniform faith that we must depend on, we have a fate that we must depend on. We're in this, to we're in this together. And so as a city, we're not sitting back. We're going to make sure we have the proper police protection. We had, we had overall hate crimes have been down in the city since October 7th. We've witnessed an, an uptick, particularly with graffiti-related hate crime. Uh, but we we want to make sure that um, no one is afraid to wear a yarmulke, a hijab, a, a turban as they move through the city. We're going to prosecute and investigate any hate crime that takes place. But we want to also do what we call breaking bread, building bonds, where we're encouraging people to sit down, have dinners, talk to each other. We can push out this hate that we are seeing on our streets and some of the nasty, negative terminology that is, that's being used by those who think they speak on behalf of us when, in fact, they do not. Thank you for that. So let's move on to the Board of Education, another tough subject. Mm -hmm. It's the most expensive education system in the country, mm -hmm. and the test scores are horrendous, mm -hmm. and the graduation rates are horrendous. The charter schools do much better. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest has to be done about that? It's a combination, and that's what the chancellor is doing uh, with New York City Reads. Uh, he's going after making sure every child reads by the third grade, and he has turned— uh, to really use a different method of reading, and you should really invite him on your show I'd one love day. To. Yes, he he has a, he and his team have a complete package of focusing on making sure we stop the antiquated method we were using for teaching children how to read uh, to a really phonic based reading, and then we're looking after those children who are dealing with learning disabilities uh, for far too long. We did not diagnose them early. Uh, I think about it wasn't until I got into college that. 
that I learned I was dyslexic. Uh, we want to change that mindset and give our young people the support they need at an early age. When you think about 30 to 40 percent of our inmates at Rikers Island are d- dyslexic or or have some form of learning disability, and 80% don't have a high school diploma or equivalency diploma. That's unbelie- unbelievable. Because So it's showing you crime, lack of education, leads to crime. And we need to prevent people from going on a pathway of crime in order to do so. And the goal is, is to really use every dollar in our educational system as much as possible to go in the classroom to provide the support to our teachers and make sure we retain our teachers. Once again, we passed an amazing UFT contract, uh, also the school supervisors uh, contract. Uh, they had uh, over 90% ratification also that people realize that this is a working class blue collar mayor and he's going to look after their best interests. Thank you for that, Mr. Mayor. But speaking of retaining people, a half a million people left New York since spring of 2022. Most of them were high taxpayers. What do we need to do to make sure this exodus stops and keep companies here like, like Amazon? Like, why didn't that happen? You know how many jobs that would have given us? What do we need to do to keep people here and bring more companies? Well, and you're right, and I agree with Amazon. That would have been an amazing economic boost for our region. And there's a couple of things we need to do. Number one, we need to acknowledge the fact uh, that the last I checked, 2% of New Yorkers pay 51% of our income taxes. So we need to stop demonizing high-income earners and make it seem as though they don't give back to the city but they, because they do. Uh, second, we must become a business-friendly city. Uh, everything from Deputy Mayor Maria Torres Springer and what she has done to make agencies more accountable to our businesses, Small Business Service Commissioner, Commissioner Kim, uh, what he has continually uh, has done to make it easier to do business in the city, remove all these obstacles. Uh, we put in place using artificial intelligence the first time in a large city wow. where we have a one-stop shop where you don't have to go uh, scanning the website, you ask one question, it'll tell you exactly how, what to do, how to open a business, uh, how to get a certain permit. I mean, it's just an amazing system. I like just signing on and just asking the questions, but it is really uh, our continuation of making business in the city a business-friendly uh, city. Like I said, we have 4.7 million jobs, the largest number of jobs in the city's history. Uh, then uh, we need to attract new talent. And, you know, unfortunately, I was in Israel uh, prior to this uh, devastating incident where we were sitting down with tech startup, tech leaders, and attracting them to come here uh, to New York City. Uh, they are excited about starting uh, tech startups here in New York City. We are outpacing in tech startups in first round, outpacing Simi Valley. We are really moving in the right direction. So we must have a business-friendly city and a mayor that interacts with the business community. My, my, my relationship with the partnership and other large corporate Operations uh, is, 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 has clearly shown that you can have an alignment between the mayor, uh, corporations, uh, government, nonprofits. We must all be in this together. Yesterday, I was at BCIU, uh, one of the major uh, international business community, talking about how do we continue to attract businesses uh, to the city. So we are really excited. We know we're going to be the place where empires are made. That's why we're the Empire State. Empire State Properties, that's my company. (laughs) So last question, Mr. Mayor. A lot of people are listening, and I want you to tell us what we could do as citizens to help you 
make this city great? And what do you want to tell new voters? Uh, to, to uh, you know, don't be disenchanted. Stay engaged. Uh, these are tough times for us all. We went through, through tough times before. It's everything from the Great Depression uh, to watching Pearl Harbor attacks to our center of trade uh, was attacked during 9-11, 2001, when I was a police lieutenant. Uh, but always remember, as horrific as that day was, we got up on September 12th, and we showed America what we are made of as New Yorkers. We're resilient. We're strong. And the way goes... Uh, New York goes America, and the way goes America goes the globe. But it all starts right here in the five boroughs of NYC. If we are all right, the country is going to be all right. And let's stay focused and committed uh, to making sure the next generation is going to enjoy the prosperity that we were able to enjoy because of our hardworking loved ones and family members. But get engaged. Don't throw up your hands. Lend a hand. Shake someone's hand. Build a new relationship and partnership. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank, Thank you. you for coming on the Miller Report, and this has been fantastic. Thank you. Good Thank to you. see you. Thank you for tuning into the Miller Report. Please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.